Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void or prohibited, national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Muckleshoot Casino is your destination for more than 3,000 gaming machines, action-packed table games, and the largest smoke-free area in the state, plus a newly remodeled casino floor and new center bar. Use your player's club card to earn points for free play, meals, or cash back. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Visit us online to learn more about our safety measures. Horse Racing Northwest, another edition from Emerald Downs, the summer of 2020. We are horse racing here at Emerald Downs, as are so many tracks around the country. And we're racing on Wednesdays and Thursdays. First race Wednesday, 2 o'clock, maybe 2.15. And Thursday at 5 p.m., Joe Withy, Vince Brune, Wes Petrie, our marketing director and our producer of Horse Racing Northwest, is with us every week. He gets us out there so you all can listen. Thanks, Wes. And uh, Vince, uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. We're ready to roll with uh, another 22 races this week, That's 11 each on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, 22 this week. And a couple of stakes races on Thursday as well. But before we get to Thursday, let's go back to Wednesday. First race is scheduled for 2.15. And we have a nice juicy pick five carryover exceeding 54,000. Yes, fifty-four thousand seven sixty. <clears throat> excuse me, seven sixty-three to be exact. That mm -hmm. will be on races seven through eleven with the uh, five race. Uh, excuse me, eleven race cards. So the fifty cent pick five races seven through eleven, as you mentioned, Joe. Great field size oh. in those. I can tell you, doing the line, there's some tricky. <laughs> Going to be some tricky calls for handicappers to make. Vince Brune doing the morning line at Emerald Downs this year. And yes, 9.4 per race in that pick five sequence. We might just set another record. Our, our top two uh, pick five handles all time at Emerald Downs have happened this year in the first 12 days of racing, well over 200,000. And I think we're probably going to get that on Wednesday. I have to think so. And the fact, you know, handicappers have had several days to prepare. You know, mm -hmm. we, we drew for the card already uh, last Friday. And there's been a little buzz since then. So I think, you know, that people having a chance to uh, to uh, do their homework, you know, extended homework on the races is really going to help us. And I think you're right, Joe, we could have a very big pick five handle. Okay. Get your handicapping done. Pick five sequence tomorrow, races uh, Wednesday, 7 through 11, which is tomorrow for us. We're uh, doing this on Tuesday. 
Yeah, we had some uh, fast times last Wednesday. Three of the fastest times of the meeting at uh, five furlongs, six furlongs, six and a half furlongs last week. Um, and then on Thursday, we ran a couple stakes races, Carl. We did. Vince, we, his real name's Carl, by the way. I think many of you, you know that by now. There were two uh, real interesting stakes races. Time for Gold, you know, actually turned the An- Angie C into kind of a procession. Ooh. She won by nine lengths. I think she got like a 67 buyer, which mm. is, you know, really big for a two-year-old filly this time of year. She looked really good. Frank Lucarelli finishing uh, first with Time for Gold, second with uh, Managing Brianna, and also, I believe, fourth in there with uh, In the Vault. So a great outing. The owners there were Chad and Josh. Mm-hmm. And she won by nine lengths, and she ran 102.72 for five and a half furlongs, and that uh, time figure's come up before. That is right. Carula, four years ago in 2016, went uh, 102.72, right to the 100th of a second. Yeah. So uh, excellent, excellent performance by her. And she was coming out of a, a maiden 25. And I think when you interviewed Frank Lucarelli after the race, Joe down in the by the winter circle, he even expressed a little bit of surprise at how well she ran. He thought she had some talent, but she really kind of opened opened up his eyes. Second time starter at twelve to one, Vince. I didn't have her, darn it. But, Neither uh, did I. But I, you know, those are the kind that can win. We've yeah. seen that year after year. Yes. Time for gold by Harbor the Gold out of Back in Time by Empire Maker, as Vince said, trained by Frank Lucarelli, bred by Bar C Racing Stable, where Harbor the Gold stands. And he had another winner last week. He had Harbor's Rule, meaning Harbor the Gold, the sire. He's had four hundred and twelve races won in Emerald Downs history. Now tied with Sloodledoo all time for number one. There's a record that is going down it's this year. Going down and in stakes, uh, stakes yeah. numbers. He's got 65 stakes wins now. Sloodledoo at 27, so extremely dominant. You know, as we said last week, over the last decade, Harbor the Gold has been the dominant sire here at Emerald Downs for sure. And many Harbor the Golds in the catalog. Again, uh, Dana Halverson was with us last week on Horse Racing Northwest. The WTBOA sales coming up Tuesday, August 18th, just a couple of weeks away for this year's yearling sale and some broodmares as well. So WTBOA sale, the catalogs are out. Get your studying done on those as many horses purchased last year. Uh, Winners at Emerald Downs this year already. So, yeah, some, uh, oh, by the way, the Carula time for gold, those 102.72s are the fastest five and a half furlongs for a filly in Emerald Downs history. Yeah, yeah. and uh, exceptional. And, and, you know, it showed how good she was because in the uh, the later race, the King County Express, right. turned out to be a heck of a race to the wire. Top executive just getting up. Oh, I think a horse you liked a bit, Joe. And, uh their time was a little bit slower. So um, the Philly, you know, time for goal, that was a big, big run. Yeah, he was a second-time starter at 13-1, to top executive. So was Seattle's best secret, who was beating the nose in there. That was quite the eventful race. We had a couple scratches at the gate, you know, two-year-olds. And uh, then the race, uh, there was some horses coming in, going out, uh, making moves. uh, And there was an inquiry, no change in the order of finish. Top executive gets it for trainer Blaine Wright, Eddie Martinez aboard, a son of street boss out of Severn Shore by Pure Prize, bred by the Frankfurt Park Farm in Kentucky and Dr. R. Mason, owned by the Mariansky's, John and Janine Mariansky, and uh, Jerry and Gail Schneider of the Riverbend Farm. So 
they get stakes brackets first two of the year. And uh, coming up this week, Thursday, we've got two more stakes. We do, and mentioned the Riverbend Farm, Collusion Illusion, mm. last week at Del Mar, and Law Biden Citizen, they finished first and third in there in the in the Bing Crosby. And we watched the race together, Joe. That Collusion Illusion is one whale of a sprinter. He did just win by a nose. Law Biden Citizen, our mile winner from last year, Joe, he is a tough, <laughs> he is a tough battler through the lane, isn't he? He's got speed and he's tenacious. He, yeah. he finished a real nice third. Yeah, Long Acres Mile, just about four weeks away at Emerald Downs. And I would think uh, Mark Glatt and uh, the Schneiders, Dan Agnew, uh, the owners of Law Biden Citizen, are looking to defend in our top race. And John White's going to join us on Horse Racing Northwest today. I'm sure he'll have a mention of Law Biden Citizen. He does follow Long Acres Mile uh, news and notes. And by the way, uh, Rob Rao also going to join us. Rob. Uh, Emerald Downs employee since our first year of 96. Uh, part of the Win Play show with myself for so many years and just a very valuable member of our television department as well. Boy, he knew his job. So that'll be good to get uh, John and Rob on the show. So I should probably stop talking and just uh, eventually get to that, Vince. Um, Let's see. I was going to have you mention something else. Did you want to mention anything else that I don't know that you wanted to mention? No, just okay. that I'm um, looking forward to both John and Rob. Yeah. I always like to hear John's thoughts on the current horse racing scene. And the Kentucky Derby, which John, of course, follows uh, extremely closely, is coming up on the radar here, too, pretty quickly. Yeah, September 5th for the Derby. Okay, we're going to take just a very short break. Uh, as long with uh, John White and Rob Brow, we're going to do our trivia answer from last week and a new question. We'll also have a little stat look from Vince and myself and a couple of selections. So we'll be right back on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first. 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code SPORTOFKINGS when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. A be 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in a state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit a national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Horse Racing Northwest from Emerald Downs, another stakes week. Uh, 22 races over Wednesday and Thursday. And let's bring in our good friend, fellow Washingtonian and uh, outstanding handicapper, racing writer, turf writer, historian. Uh, John, I've had a lot of different intros for you, but uh, they're all uh, nice superlatives. John White joining us on the Win Play Show. Hi, John. Hi, guys. How's Win it going? Good, good to have you. I just said on the Win Play Show. This is Horse Racing Northwest, the <laughs> podcast, but I've introduced you on the Win Play Show so many times. Good to have you on again. Uh, John was with us earlier, and we're in the summer of 2020 here. Emerald Downs underway, big races all around the country, and you have uh, an outstanding column that one can access through First Bet. 
uh, weekly column, and boy, it is thorough, John. Uh, another good job this past week. Yeah, that's at expressbed.com, also XBTV. Okay. And uh, I've been following the Kentucky Derby, even when it originally was going to be run on the first Saturday of May, but now will be run on the first Saturday in September, which is very odd to say. Mm-hmm. But it's been an odd year, needless to say. We had the Belmont Stakes already uh, in the books, the first leg of the Triple Crown this year at a mile and an eighth. So it's really an upside-down world we're living in right now. Yes, indeed. And uh, most uh, most every track running without fans. But uh, the handles for most tracks have been pretty strong. Uh, so many people at home, uh, especially back uh, in uh, March and April and May. Uh, but the total handle's been good. And, of course, tracks have a little less payroll because, uh, quite a bit less payroll because of no fans. So economically, things are, are kind of working out most places. Um, and uh, the Kentucky Derby top 10, I, I believe you're going to probably have a little change at your top after last week. Well, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, before we get to that, though, you were talking about... Uh, tracks racing without the fans, and uh, Del Mar, at least this past week, had the, uh, for the first time in months here in Southern California, where the, uh, for an owner could go to the track and see their horse race. Good. And, uh, in fact, my wife, who covers horse racing for the Blood Horse, uh, was there on Saturday for the racing at Del Mar, so she saw the owners and... Um, social distancing and people wearing masks and so forth, but uh, at least that's a step back into the direction that we're accustomed to, to where, you know, these owners pay the bills, and really a big part of it is being able to see your horses run. I can attest to that because I was an owner in the state of Washington in the 1970s when we started the stable. In fact, I started the stable. It was called Media Madness, and the reason I started that stable was because there was a stable formed uh, in Seattle called Media Stable, and uh, Pat Dawson and a whole, Mark Kaufman, a lot of people involved in that, Gary Henson, and I was asked to be a member of that Media Stable, but uh, I only spent part of the year on in western Washington. I spent the bulk of the year at Playfair and Yakima on the other side of the mountain, so I kind of thought, you know what? To have 19 other owners and not to be there that much of the year, I, I, I declined, but I, they gave me the idea to start up Media Madness in Spokane. And so we had eight members of the media involved, all kinds of television personalities and newspaper personalities, track announcer Jim Price. We claimed a horse at Long Acres by the name of a political poll, a son of cup race. We claimed him for 3200 and brought him over to Playfair and ran him for 4000 claiming, and he won. Nice. He won a mile race that my dad told me that he can't win going a mile. And I said, well, Dad, he's out of an Eddie Schmidt mare. He probably could go two miles. I said, maybe he's not good enough to win, but it's not going to be for lack of stamina. And uh, he won easily with Ron Borjas aboard. He came back and won uh, a race at the Playfair course distance of about six and a half furlongs. For four thousand, so he won back-to-back races at the four thousand-dollar claiming level, and we ran him back for five thousand, and he ran second, and he got claimed by Janet Gookstetter. So uh, we were off and running, and uh, did very well. And I was a member of that ownership group for uh, three years until I cashed in 
which uh, I did so when I became a steward for the first time at Yakima Meadows in the fall of 1979. So some very fond memories, but as I say, if you're an owner, part of the fun is coming out to the stable area, feeding carrots to your horse, seeing your horse exercise, seeing your horse in workouts, and especially seeing your horse race. And uh, I'll never forget calling the chart of that political poll win. It was as surreal as it gets. I mean, you just can't even believe it's happening. So, uh, And that's a $4,000 claiming race, so I can only imagine what people feel if they're winning something like the Seattle Slough Stakes at Emerald Downs or the Coca-Cola Stakes or, of course, the Long Acres Mile. Yeah. So are you saying he won the first three times you started him as a No, media? two wins in a second. Okay. Well, that's still awful darn good. So you... Oh, I, I, it's called beginner's luck. <laughs> yeah, that is great. <laughs> and we certainly experienced it, and uh, uh, it was just great. My partners were great. Uh, as I say, we had an anchor uh, lady uh, by the name of uh, Jane Crawford who was on KREM Channel 2. She ended up going to Philadelphia at, at K, uh, in, in Philadelphia, um, and Phil, she took the place of uh, Jessica Savage hmm. at the KYW in Philadelphia from Spokane. And uh, we had television producers. We had uh, uh, Bob uh, uh, Brown, who was a columnist for the Spokane Daily Chronicle. And uh, he he was a tremendous horse racing fan, covered racing a lot. And he, he was just as enthusiastic an owner as Bruce Brown. I mean, and he was just a wonderful guy. And... Uh, he would run one of those betting columns in the Spokane Daily Chronicle, you know, where you're you're given an amount to bet at the beginning of a meet, and then he would make his bets throughout the course of the meet. And uh, he would, had quite a following in the newspaper. So nice. a lot of great memories. Uh, the only horse I was ever an owner of that did not win one race was a horse by the name of Pat's Commander, who we claimed off Kathy Walsh at Yakima. And we talk, took him to Long Acres, and we actually ran in a race against a horse that was racing for that media stable of 20 people, and that horse was trained by T.D. McLaughlin. And uh, we, so we met up in a race. I'll never forget in the sweep comment in the racing forum, it said the flack will be flying in this race <laughs> since you had these two media stables clashing. Yeah. And we, had, we were the favorite in the race at 5-2 to two with Mike James. They were a huge price, like over 20 to 1. And uh, their horse was named Golden Norm, and Golden Norm won the race. Wow. So I lost a lot of side bets, uh, a lot of uh, ribbing, uh, and so forth. Uh, but that's all the fun of being an owner when you get involved in racing, not just as a better, but when you do get involved as an owner. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, Vince... Uh has some horse ownership, and so does myself. And uh, uh, Vince actually has some action this week. Vince also manages the Emerald Racing Club. Uh, is the club running at all this week, Vince? No action this week. Hopefully okay. next week, yeah. Okay. Those well, clubs have been great. Yeah. You know, that's another thing that's been fantastic for the sport, where people dip their toe in and really can see what it's all about. Yeah, no, they have, and you're right. We've we've had many prominent owners uh, come out of the Emerald Racing Club, several very prominent owners. So uh, you're right, that is a, a good way to get started in horse ownership, and if you're interested in that, you can get a hold of Vince Brune here at Emerald Downs uh, for possibly a, a 
chance at that next year. John White is joining us. John, Honor AP was beaten in the shared belief. Oh, who won the race? Bob Baffert with, what, a 9-1. to one. The other Baffert won the race. And this week is the Travers back at historic Saratoga. So uh, you're putting pencil to paper and figuring out your uh, your Derby top 10 here. And you said maybe not a change at the top for you. Well, I vote in the NTRA poll, and I've been voting for Tis the Law number one in that poll for quite a while. But that's a poll more based on what you've accomplished so far this year, and certainly sure. Tis the Law has accomplished the most. My Derby top ten is it's geared toward uh, in order how I feel a horse's chances are to win the Kentucky Derby. Makes sense. And I really have not jumped ship from Honor AP off of this loss, especially when the buyer figure came back as strong as it did. If the buyer number had been weak, I might have gone ahead and knocked Honor AP down. But remember what we're dealing with here. And that was a 104 buyer, 4,000 words, who... This also didn't come out of left field. You know, Thousand Words was very, Thousand Words was very highly regarded coming into this year. Uh, he'd won his first three career starts uh, through February 1st, including the Los Alamitos Fraternity and the Bob Lewis at Santa Anita. And then he ran a poor race in the San Felipe. And then he went to Oakland and stumbled at the start and finished way up the track on a, on a sloppy track. But Bob Baffert has said, you know, he got sour. So Bob Baffert worked his magic. He freshened the horse up, and he really showed signs of life when he ran second in the Los Alamitos Derby behind the highly regarded Uncle Chuck, who was entered and a strong contender in the Travers. And a thousand words then came back and ran uh, the best race of his life so far to win that shared belief and got a 104 buyer in that race, a career best. And Honor AP got a 102, which actually matched the buyer that he earned in the Santa Anita Derby when he won that race going away from Authentic. And that performance in the Santa Anita Derby was flattered when Authentic came back and won the grade one million dollar Haskell invitational at Monmouth Park. Although he only won it by a nose, but he did win that billion-dollar race. And the key here is, you know, I go back to the days of, like, Charlie Whittingham, who was the greatest I ever was around, period. But he was the greatest I was ever around, especially in terms of having a horse at its peak for a particular race. And John Sheriff's is cut from that same mold. And John Sheriff, don't forget, when he won the Kentucky Derby 15 years ago with Giacomo, who was a 50-to-1 long shot, Giacomo went into the Kentucky Derby off a defeat as well. He finished fourth in the Santa Anita Derby. So I'm not really that put off by the loss of uh, Honor AP, especially when he got as strong a buyer figure as he got. This distance is shorter than he really wants to go a mile on the 16th. And Mike Smith talked about that he feels it was very key that Smith has not been able to get on Honor AP in the workouts at Del Mar. And uh, they're hopeful that, that, that this is going to get changed going forward to the Kentucky Derby because uh, Mike felt that that really impacted the, the performance on this day. And, you know, in a way, it wasn't that bad, especially, again, with the strong buyer figure because in mid-stretch, I thought Honor AP was not firing them. It was going to run last in the field of four. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was really maybe not going to run one, two, three, and he surged late and uh, to finish second and then galloped out pretty good after the race. So, uh, you know, one thing I learned long time ago, guys, going back to when I was in 
high school at Lewis and Clark in Spokane. I put in the Lewis and Clark Journal after the 1973 Wood Memorial, uh, don't give up on Secretariat just because he finished third in the Wood Memorial. And I said, you know, the key is to pay attention to his string of victories he had going into the Wood Memorial. And you can always excuse one race for a horse. There's so many things that can get a horse beat on, on any given day. Even Man of War got beat once. And uh, Secretariat, of course, came back two weeks later and won the Kentucky Derby, broke the track record, then two weeks later won the Preakness Stakes, which would have been a track record if they, the timer had worked correctly. But finally he's been given the correct time, and it's not a track record, but it is the fastest Preakness in history. And then uh, his race for the ages, the Belmont Stakes, winning by 31 lengths, to snap a 25-year triple crown drought and uh, not just smash Gallup Mann's track record by over two seconds, 224 flat. So, uh, again, Secretariat showed it. You know, if you jump ship off the Wood Memorial, you would have missed him through the triple crown. And so I'm not going to jump off on her AP at this point, and uh, I'm going to keep him at number one. Fair enough. And, tis, you know, tis the law, his best buyer figure so far is 100. So on her AP, twice has earned a buyer speed figure higher than tis the law so far. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, John, uh, on her AP in his corner for the September 5th Kentucky Derby John, uh, you've been in racing a long time, as you just evidenced by your participation in Media Madness Stable and uh, being a huge Turbulator fan as early as, what, 1968 or 9? Um, 69, yeah, when he won seven in a row of Playfair. And I'm glad you brought him up because this is the 50th anniversary of his outstanding campaign in the state of Washington in which he was the Washington Bird Horse of the Year. And it was 50 years ago this month that he ran the, uh, you know, it, it was a signature win, breaking the world record when he won the governor's handicap with over 9,000 fans on hand at Long Anchors. Uh, he won 14 flat to slice two-fifths of a second off the world record that day. Uh, he ran down a kid cabin with Richard Wright in the saddle, and uh, it, Rulers Rule finished third. Fleet Fair, the heavy favorite, who went into the race with a good winning streak, weakened in the stretch and under Lenny Knowles is the big favorite. But that was the biggest win of Turbulator's career, breaking a world record. And then also 50 years ago this month was uh, most likely the most famous loss in the history of racing in the Pacific Northwest with Turbulator, who looked unbeatable in the Long Acres Mile, coming off the world record performance in the governor's handicap. Well, he uh, had the stirrup break, and uh, so that was uh, one for the books that uh, talked about a way to lose a race. And uh, so this uh, it was 50 years ago this month that uh, two very important races in the uh, colorful career of Turbolator happened. Yeah, you better believe it. And uh, I brought up some uh, uh, past years because uh, John goes way back in this state in thoroughbred racing but a guy that even went back farther of course was ralph Acca, who passed away a couple of weeks ago um and and uh john wanted to say something about ralph being part of john being part of this state's history as well uh john well i mean this is a huge huge uh loss for any of us that knew ralph Acca. i mean 
class, you talk about a class individual. Um, I mean, I never, ever, ever saw this guy without a smile on his face. And Sue Van Dyke, in her obituary, she wrote for the Washington Breeders. I mean, when you look at all that this guy was involved in, in Washington breeding and racing, I mean, he was on the racing commission. Uh, I mean, what he did at the Breeders is just phenomenal. Uh, he was revolutionary in some respects. Uh, I mean, he just, but he was a good guy. I mean, I got to know him when I first went to work for the racing form in the mid-1970s, so I knew him for a long time. The last time I saw Ralph when I w- was when I was up to do a Long Acres Mile broadcast for uh, the Fox Sports with you, Joe, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Rondo, and uh, we had a panel discussion in the paddock at Emerald Downs, and yeah. uh, Jim Penny was there, and Ralph Acker was there, myself was there, and, and you were the moderator. And we used a lot of that on the broadcast, but uh, we were to talk about the, some history of racing in Washington and also some history of the Long Acres Mile. And Ralph Acker was a walking encyclopedia of racing, uh, but he never lost that enthusiasm from that time when he was in high school and... Uh, he walked into the stable area at Long Acres, and the trainer handed him a shank and said, walk a horse, and said, just turn left. And Ralph thought it was the greatest thrill of his whole life when he got the chance to hot walk a filly one morning. So, you know, it, 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 you really, when you look at all what he accomplished in that state and the impact that he had, it's just phenomenal, really. It and is. Uh, I, But like I say, on top of the accomplishments, he was just a good person. You know, one of those people you just, you're so lucky if your paths cross, cross, and and I'm lucky that my path crossed with Ralph Acca. Yep, you're right about that smile on his face. That is, uh, yep, that was quite the passing, but quite the history and the improvement in Washington thoroughbred racing by having Ralph Acca in charge of the WTBA for so long. John, that is great. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to make a selection in an Emerald Downs race or not this week. We've got a couple of stakes races. We've had a real impressive filly running here uh, that's two for two that's going to be in our uh, uh, Coca-Cola. Our, our Coca-Cola. Thanks, Vince. I was going to also say the wrong name, but she's in the Coca-Cola Daffodil Suite, two for two for Chris Stensley. Really, really impressive. Boy, when... Uh, she's been asked to run in the stretch. She has really quickened. Anyway, uh, anything else before we... Well, yeah, you... I think that she'll be very tough in that race, although that rail draws a little bit of a concern because it puts the pressure on you to get out of that gate. But uh, based on her two races so far, um, you, you have to give her a big look here. I mean, she's going to be a strong favorite as Vince is later at 7-5, to five, and mm. that's very uh, justified. And uh, she's a, by Minister's Wildcat, who is stood here in California, and this is a cow bread, and the dam is by Lionheart, and Lionheart ran a heck of a race in the Kentucky Derby for tr- trainer Patrick Bianco and finishing second to Smarty Jones. Yep. Lionheart ran well enough in that Kentucky Derby to win a lot of Kentucky Derbies, but he re- happened to have the misfortune to run into Smarty Jones, whose only career loss came when he was upset in the Belmont Stakes. So uh, that Philly looks tough. I thought in the Seattle Slough... You know, I may be wrong here. I just thought maybe take a shot with Tig. Um, 
you know, he's stretching out to six and a half, and maybe that'll be uh, detrimental to him. But I just, I kind of get a feeling that uh, he's so lightly raced with only two races under his belt. I've become a fan of this rider, uh, Wales, and because uh, it brings back memories of me, of Hugh Wales, <laughs> when I was a kid. And uh, I don't know, I, just at a price, maybe take a shot with Tig in that race. And by the way, Seattle slew, of course, winner of the uh, Triple Crown in 1977 and actually made an appearance uh, at uh, Long Anchors that year. I, I happened to see that uh, when he came back up to Long Anchors after he was upset and suffered his first defeat in the swap stakes that was won by J.O. Tobin at Hollywood Park. But, uh, you know, Seattle Slew was one of the all-time greats for sure. And uh, it's interesting to me uh, that his trainer as a four-year-old was Doug Peterson, a man that I knew very well, uh, got to know him here in Southern California. I mean, he was always dressed like as classy, you know, uh, as you can be. I mean, always extremely well-dressed uh, when he was saddling a horse. And Doug Peterson did a fantastic job with Seattle Slough for his four-year-old campaign. But it was interesting to me that last week, Doug's son, his uh, only uh, his only child, and then Doug Peterson passed away many years ago um, at the age of 53, unfortunately. That was back in 2004. But his son, David Peterson, won his major league debut He's a left-handed pitcher with the New York Mets and uh, pitched the Mets to an 8-3 victory over the Boston Red Sox uh, at uh, Fenway Park. So uh, kind of a tie-in there yep. that that, that uh, promising young pitcher uh, who looks like he could be a real uh, presence uh, in the major leagues, uh, that his father was the trainer of Seattle Slough, and here we have the Seattle Slough Stakes uh, this week at Emerald Downs. Yeah, we've been proud to run that every year, including 1977, Seattle Slough's Triple Crown Year here in Washington, whether it be at Long Acres, Yakima Meadows, or Emerald Downs since 1996. John, so good to catch up with you. We'll do it again before the Kentucky Derby. And uh, you continue to have a great summer, and thanks so much for all of your... Uh, great work following the whole sport of thoroughbred racing, but especially here in Washington. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot. Always great to be uh, chatting racing with you guys. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. John White joining us on Horse Racing Northwest, and he can uh, he can go down history row there, Vince, or he can talk about uh, the upcoming Kentucky Derby. He can talk about it all. It's amazing because he's got such a, a, you can just see how one thing leads to another in John's yeah. mind. He's got such a uh, steel trap of, uh, of a knowledge for the sport. Oh, for sure. Um, let's see. Let's do our trivia now. We're going to catch up with Rob Rao as well. That'll be great to do. Um, our trivia question last week was, who has the most two-year-old earnings in Emerald Downs history? most earnings and i've got a list here of seven really good juveniles vince and there's six colts and one philly but the philly's at the top smarty deb smarty deb four for four here at emerald downs in 2007 she beat the boys twice including an easy win in the gottstein and she went back to uh what monmouth that year and she opened up at, what, 9-2 to two or something in the Breeders' Cup mm-hmm. Juvenile Phillies? Correct, and she actually, I think, finished pretty 
decent fifth, yes. respectable. She ran a respectable race. Yeah, she opened because people had seen the horse that uh, she had been running against. Margot's Gift had won the previous day at a big price in the favorite trick stakes there, and there, people were putting two and two together and could figure out Smarty Deb must be a pretty good runner. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Gallon won uh, at Bay Meadows uh that fall yeah that day though that weekend that weekend Mm -hmm. i think he'd won at bay meadows on the friday and she beat him easily in the gottstein and so you're seeing these horses that are winning and and yeah she actually had a little bit of a chip coming out of that race so maybe she wasn't actually 100 percent. but as you mentioned she finished fifth in that big field in the juvenile anyway she made 121,055 at emerald downs in 2007 behind her our name for Norm, Jumron One, Gallant Son, Del Rio Harbor, Positive Prize, and So Lucky, other $100,000 earners as a juvenile here at Emerald Downs, all Colts. So Smarty Deb, the answer to last week, uh, we had a couple of uh, replies, but no correct answers on that one. And this week's trivia, and send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Um, who holds the record, Emerald Downs record, for stakes participations in consecutive seasons. And it I'll tell you right now, it's not Wasserman who ran in a stakes race seven consecutive years here at Emerald Downs. So who holds the Emerald Downs record for stakes participations in consecutive seasons? Okay. So we'll do that uh, by uh, via that electronic email, trivia at emeralddowns.com. We're going to come back with Rob Brown. We're also going to Uh, do a little statistical outlooks and also some selections. So we'll be back in just a second here on Horse Racing Northwest. Mucklesuit Casino is your destination for more than 3,000 gaming machines, action-packed table games, and the largest smoke-free area in the state, plus a newly remodeled casino floor and new center bar. Use your player's club card to earn points for free play, meals, or cash back. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Visit us online to learn more about our safety measures. Horse Racing Northwest continues. And Joe Withy, Vince Brune, Wes Petrie doing our producing and getting our guests on the air. And this current guest is uh, a friend to all of us here that have worked at Emerald Downs, especially in media and TV, which all of us are involved in. Rob Rao joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. And I've heard a, a lot of inquiries of what the heck's Rob doing? Is he coming back? Is he going to, where's the wind play show and all this? Rob, good afternoon to you. Hey, good afternoon to you, Joe and Vince. Uh, great to be on with you guys. Hope you guys are doing well. You Thank know, you. yeah, thanks. We are doing pretty darn well. Uh, I know you're following Emerald Downs. Uh, we've going that wednesday thursday deal our field size has been great uh we're just happy to be racing even without fans owners in on the track and uh you following racing pretty close here rob yeah i'm trying to um you know uh, obviously lots changed uh, since the beginning of the year with uh, everything that's going on in the world and um obviously people's safety and health is a, of the utmost priority but um things are starting hopefully starting to get back to normal and like you mentioned uh Emerald Downs is racing in the summer, which is obviously uh, just a great thing. And um, I have been paying attention to the racing there. Last uh, last week, um, saw a couple of the stakes races, and then I noticed those yeah. great payouts in the pick four. And then oh. you guys got a really nice pick five carryover going into this week. So That's lots right. to be excited about uh, about racing in the Northwest. 
Yeah, yeah. And Rob, of course, uh, uh, my co-host on the Win Play Show for like 17 years or something like that and doing a super job. Uh, Wes, can you verify that in the TV department? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Rob uh, started out up in uh, the banquets and and, uh, doing a little waiting and so forth in our first season, but uh, we're glad we got him in the TV department. So, yeah, I've had a lot of inquiries about the Win Play Show. We just never got that started because, again, uh, we just didn't have too much to promote uh, with no fans coming into the track and simulcasting shut down for so many months. And, of course, we do have simulcasting now Wednesday through Sunday here at the track. But uh, you were taking a world tour for many, many, many months was the schedule, along with Hillary. Uh, and you can kind of let us know what happened there. Yeah, so um, at the at the end of last year, I, I let Wes know, my, my boss, that um, I kind of caught the travel bug a few years ago. My 40th birthday, I went and did a, a kind of a mini trip and went to uh, uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam, and then went to the UK, actually got to go to um, Ascot and uh, go on Champions Day and saw some racing there, got to see uh, Highland Reel. I think he ran third against Cracksman on that day, but it was just a really great time. And uh, traveling is something that I've always really wanted to do and see more of the world. So um, my girlfriend, Hillary, who you mentioned, and I kind of figured, you know, there's no time like the present. And so um, kind of figured at the beginning of 2019, we were going to try to save as much as we can. And then um, going into October, just try to take, um, try to take at least a year and, and travel mm. as far as we can. And uh, we got six months into it before, um, as everybody knows, with the, the current events going on right now, we felt, uh, we felt it was in our best interest to come back to the state. So right now we're, uh, we're living with um, uh, Hillary's mom right now in South Carolina. So that's where I'm at right now. South Carolina, okay, you're a ways away, but in the good old USA. And uh, what are what were a couple of highlights of the trip as long as it lasted? Oh, I, I you know, I didn't have a, a bad time any place we went. Nice. Um, yeah, we Ireland was awesome. I just to give you a couple like really quick itinerary. Went to Ireland, um, Portugal for a bit, Spain, um, Malta for Christmas, which was awesome. Hmm. We went to Tunisia and saw some uh, amazing Roman ruins there. Uh, from Tunisia, we went to Cyprus. Um, then we spent a little bit of time in India. Went to some races in India. That was that was quite a quite a quite a that thing to see. And then um, from India, we went to Thailand and Cambodia. Back to Thailand, and then by that time, um, that gets us into March. So with everything going on, we we ended up flying back to the U.S. Um, and Thailand or yeah, Thailand was the last place we were at. Okay, Thailand. And yeah, COVID-19 kind of took over worldwide. Uh, I think it's up to 160 countries or so that have had cases. And so things were kind of just shutting down and it was just getting more difficult to be a tourist, I'm sure. Yeah, lots of things were closing down and we kind of figured, you know, um, the best kind of course of action was to, you know, be back in our home country. We didn't want to get locked down in any kind of... Mm situation where we couldn't um we couldn't get back home and uh we were definitely paying attention to the news as i'm sure everyone around the world was as far as things getting a little bit more serious and we didn't want to get uh we didn't want to get trapped anywhere and um uh we were we were kind of getting uh before we left we actually uh enrolled in the step program from the u.s state department and, and got notifications if any of the countries that we we're going to go to had any kind of um 
any kind of problems, just to be, you know, kind of safe and, and aware of what was going on in the world. And um, as soon as the pandemic had kind of started in, you know, January, February, um, we'd start start getting some uh, more frequent emails as far as, you know, countries to avoid um, and what to do in case you got stuck. And when we were in Thailand in March, we kept on getting, you know, more and more emails saying, you know, if if you want to get out, you really should try to get out now because if you don't try to get out, there's a chance you could get stuck. And that was just not something that she and I really wanted to do. So that was when we kind of said, okay, well, we've had a good six months. Um, obviously, this isn't what we wanted to have happen, which I would imagine there's billions or millions of people that kind of feel the same way um, as far as this upending everybody's life. Um, but we thought the, the really prudent and smart thing to do was to come back home. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Rob, uh, following racing from South Carolina, uh, and, uh, yeah, Vince took over the morning line. We were going to have kind of a three-way deal, but with all the irregular schedules and up-in-the-air schedules leading right up to before we started, Vince is going to do it, and he has done it, and he's done a super job. And Vince, you got a tougher job than Rob had. You're getting about eight horses a race to look at. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I've, I've leaned on Rob a little bit, especially when the two-year-old races, and he's been most gracious in helping me out and you know we kind of comparing notes and seeing what he comes up with and good i've really come to appreciate what a great job he's done all the years here because it's uh you're gonna miss on some horses it's just inevitable um um especially young horses you know where class and form and all that isn't really established so That's right um right rob has really been good at uh you know uh walking me through a couple of tough races that were really challenging but you know rob did have to do three days a week and not two so there was a <laughs> there was some trade-offs here it, 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 he it's not uh he didn't have a total bargain doing the morning line compared to me yeah and well, rob go ahead, yeah, go rob. ahead joe oh i was just going to say i appreciate the kind words vince and um I, I you know i'd like to be paying a little bit more attention i think i'm going to you know once once i get we've gotten a, a little bit more set uh, work schedule i've been paying a bit more attention with the racing I think you've been doing a good job too. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, I, I think probably the, the toughest thing for me, and I, maybe you can speak about this a little bit is trying to separate what you're, you know, everyone has their own bias. Right. It's kind of a tough thing to do. Mm. You know, you might think a horse might be five or six to one and for you. Whereas, you know, the, the public sees that as, Oh no, we're going to attach ourselves to this. This is the, um, this should, this horse should be the favorite. So I think maybe that was probably the, you know, in doing the morning line for all those years, um, and maybe you even already seeing it kind of early on, kind of seeing what you kind of think is fair value on a horse versus what the public sees as fair value are sometimes in any given race, yeah, that's, two very completely different things. Yeah, I really agree with that. And sometimes it's all, it would almost be better if you didn't know certain things because you do, right. we all have little inherent biases on oh, certain yeah. things at a racetrack you got to try to just wipe that out of your mind. On the other hand, you do know that, you know, certain connections, jockeys, trainers, whatever, you have to factor that in because they're, they're right. going to attract money. Um, so, but I, you know, I try to keep the main focus on the horse because it is horse racing and, you know, a horse has talent. It's, you know, that's the most important thing. And if they're in the right spot there, you know, that's, that is, uh, 90% of the equation to me is a, is, Absolutely. A, is a, a on form horse being in the right race and those kind of horses win. Well, right. and, uh, Rob would always point out to me that, uh, boy, 
you in the older horses with a lot of form there, you've really got to pay attention to the buyer speed figures because yes, uh, they attract uh, money. The most recent buyers are those horses are going to be played in the betting. That's true, and you'll notice that, that that's it's even far more important than class. If 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 a horse is uh, uh, you know established at a class level, and a, you get kind of an interloper that isn't established at that class level, but has a bigger buyer, the the way people wagering tend to go to the latter, the buyer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's one of those things where yeah, like I, I you kind of you kind of develop after doing the line for so long as I did, you kind of develop, you kind of uh, find patterns and different things that people kind of gravitate towards. And speed figures drive or generate a lot of the wagering and a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of that's, that's their bread and butter. That's where a lot of the wagering dollars go. And, and like you said, Vince, oftentimes kind of the, the equalizer as far as, um, as far as where the, the money's going to go, it doesn't really matter what class level. If someone's got a, the horses, you know, running faster figs, people are going to gravitate towards that. And, you know, oftentimes that's right, but every now and then you can get a really good price if you're willing to kind of look a little bit deeper. So it's, uh, it's always been a really fun job doing the morning line. It's, it's obviously a little bit tougher when you've got a bigger, bigger fields and bigger races. And like I said, you've done a good job with, with being able to handle that. But, um, I've always found that when the racing is tougher to make a line for, or excuse me, when the rate, yeah, when races are tougher to make a line for, generally means that there's better racing going on. I agree with that, yeah. and, and it has shown we have had some really competitive fields. There's been a lot of races with three to one, seven to two morning lines, you know, and that's that's as a as a horse player, you like those kind because you're you're going to get uh, fair value usually for your horses. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, percentage of winning favorites. Didn't you mention the last three weeks have been like six out of twenty or six out of twenty-one? The last which, three weeks, and that's right where we at the year. I think twenty-nine point seven percent favorites. So lower than wow. than normal. Who's going to win the Kentucky Derby, Rob? <laughs> We're not <laughs> playing decide the Derby, but uh, uh, I could still use a, a good tip here and there. You know, I, I think we're getting we're getting pretty. It's kind of crazy to say that it hasn't. You know, we're in August and it hasn't been run, but everything yeah. nothing normal has happened this year. Um, you know, I'm still an honor AP fan. I've been I've been okay. high on him since last year, and um, I'd like to give you some kind of price. I think uh, Art Collector. Is is another horse that I've kind of been had my eye on. I I, I like to give you a horse that's going to be a good price, but um, I kind of expect him to win the um, the Ellis Derby. I thought he was awfully impressive winning the Bluegrass. But I think if I had to give you one pick right now for the Kentucky Derby, and I like Tis the Law too. I think he's a good horse. Um, the Travers this weekend should be interesting with uh, Tis the Law, and I know Uncle Chuck's in there. The uh, another one of Baffert's runners. He looks like he's got a lot a lot of potential. Um, but I think right now, if I had to, to really have one horse in my stable as far as the Kentucky Derby, I'd go with Andre P. Very good. Well, John White's not giving up on him. He's part of our uh, podcast this week as well, and he's not going to downgrade him in his own um, Derby Top 10 list because uh, he did get a really good buyer speed figure coming out of that shared belief and certainly could move forward at a mile and a quarter. And he is a proven good horse. So Rob Rao, John White on Honor AP right now for the Kentucky Derby. And Rob will be watching Emerald Downs this week. And we'll be getting into the older horses next week as well. So Rob, great catching up with you. We miss you here at Emerald Downs for sure. But it's good to have your voice back uh, on the radio as such as it is. Thanks a lot, Joe. Really great talking to you and Vince and and Wes and my best to everyone up there. I'll be watching uh, the racing from Emerald Downs, and uh, uh, best of luck with the rest of the meet this year. 
Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Rob Brown joining us on the Horse Racing Northwest podcast. And boy, there was plenty of Saturdays and Sundays when it would be me, Rob, and John White on the, the Win Play Show for many minutes consecutively. So good to get, good to hear Rob's voice. He's doing well and uh, following racing. And who knows, maybe back at Emerald Downs one of these times. Hey, we have just a few things to tie up here before we are done for this week. And uh, Vince, a stat, uh, you got a couple little stats to relate that would be of interest to our listeners. Okay, yeah, I've got a few quickies here. Uh, we've had 121 races at the meet. Washington Breds have won 65 of those races already, which that's, is 54%. Yeah, that's good. In 12 racing days, we've had 55 claims, which is about four and a half a day for an wow. aggregate almost 400,000. So the claim box, a lot of people were wondering before the meet started if the claiming activity would be as heavy as it has been. The answer is yes. Um, and Alex Anaya, we've had eight route races at the meet. He's won three of them. No kidding. Three for six in routes. That's... So uh, he's, we've, Joe, we've talked. He's improved a lot as yes. a rider. and He looks good on a horse this yeah, year. Yeah, so he's doing a good job. Good. Okay, those are neat. Uh, I have won um, 10 to 1 winners, 10 to 1 plus in the odds, winning at Emerald Downs. It has been uh, pretty prolific this year. We did have four on Thursday, both stakes races. So we are at uh, 18% on 10 to 1 winners at Emerald Downs this year. We have 22 in the first 12 days of racing. That probably leads nationally for oh a percentage. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that is really a good figure. Um, considering in the last 10 seasons at Emerald Downs, uh, we've had 10% twice. So we're at 18% now of, of the races run have been won by a 10 to 1 or greater priced horse. So twice in the last 10 years, we've had it at 10%. And then the every other year, it's been lower. The all-time track record is 1998, 10 to 1 shots, one at 15.8%. So we're actually beating that as well. So that just shows that's a product so much of field size. Plus, two-year-olds were ready to run this year. And uh, there's a lot of unknowns there. Uh, but I think field size is the biggest factor in there. It is, no question about it. And and again, uh, not just field size, but balanced fields. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of dead weight in those races. A lot of them, you know, uh, have you can go five, six, seven horses deep in a race. That's right. Okay, selections um, for Wednesday at Emerald Downs. Jeez, do we have to after the last couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we uh, haven't been too no, hot. So. That's why I didn't even start with the recap. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go to the 10th race tomorrow which is a 12-5 claimer at six and a half furlongs. And Scout Patrol, man, your longest shot on the board at 15 to one. Here's a horse that his three career victories have all been pretty low level. Made in 8,000. He won two 4,000 claimers last year. But boy, after that, he really ran well for trainer Alan Bozell. Uh, he got beat a neck in September in a route he got beat three lengths in a sprint at uh, optional 15 his first start this year was pretty good uh, wheel rally won it in that three horse finish with Freiburg and Tumac Mountain Scout Patrol you could say needed that race he's never won off the bench so I'm thinking Scout Patrol second off the bench he came back with a really hot workout on July 29th just last week Jose Zanino is back aboard. He's one on him. I'm saying that horse is going to run well tomorrow. There's definitely some speed in there with So Lucky and Cody's Choice and and uh, Bound to Go, Omachi Kid, three-time winners in there. So 
Big price on Scout Patrol tomorrow at Emerald Downs. Like that's a good example of a deep race there, Joe. You yeah, got a horse that's, that's right. already won three races at the meet, and he's three to one on the morning line, Omachi Kid. Yep. So uh, interesting choice. I'll go to race five tomorrow, which is a maiden 8,000 claimers at six furlongs for uh, three-year-olds and up. I'll go to number three, Fireball Red, six to one on the morning line. I don't know what really happened last out. This horse does have a bit of speed, but he kind of folded early. The season debut wasn't bad, though, and I think just dropping a notch in class, this one has speed. There's not a whole lot of speed in this race. Um, I think the morning line favorite, Sovereign Nation, is probably going to maybe have the lead early, but Fireball Red has enough speed to be in contention, and uh, I think he has a decent chance. He has shown some ability, so I think slight drop in class and a rebound back from the poor effort last time could could be tough. Okay. Yeah, I was on actually on him last out in that uh the metal man just ran away at a he big did, price yeah. in that race. So Fireball Red in the fifth at 6-1 to one for Vince tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, that is. Thursday's first race at 5 o'clock. Another big card at Emerald Downs. I'll go to the Seattle Slough Stakes, and there's some speed in that race as well, as there usually is in a stake. And unmatchable to me, uh, second off the layoff, is going to run well down the stretch at 6.5 furlongs. So unmatchable. For me, running into the pace in the Seattle Slough, it's his second start of the year. Of course, he was very good here last year, winning the Washington Cup and then running second in the Gottstein. Javier Matias aboard, who had that fantastic day last Thursday. Blinkers on on unmatchable as well. How about you? Okay, I'll go to uh, race five on Thursday. This is a maiden special weight for fillies and mares at six furlongs. I'll go to the bottom horse, suddenly winning. This is the kind of play you and I... Joe like uh, first start she showed a little bit of a speed and uh, got some action at the windows I think with a second start um, this is a pretty nicely bred uh, filly she's out of a stakes winning dam who's produced five winners including find your spot who was a stakes winner she, she shows a good uh, five furlong drill since her debut uh, I think she has a good chance uh, to really improve uh, on Thursday in the fifth race that's suddenly winning Okay, maiden second start for Kay Cooper, four of her last ten, with a really big ROI as well. So suddenly winning uh, that Kay Cooper barn, which is doing really well this year, percentage-wise and production-wise. That's about it for a horse racing Northwest. Again, uh, Wednesday at Emerald Downs, first race 215, pick five, carryover 54,763, starts in race seven on Wednesday, couple of stakes on Thursday. Hope to see you at the track, uh, or no, <laughs> hope to see you following Emerald Downs Racing. Only owners can come in and watch, but we are open for simulcasting Wednesday through Sunday. The Muckleshoot Casino up on the hill, just a few miles away, is open for full card simulcasting seven days a week. Thanks to our guests, John White and Rob Rao. This is Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>